Welcome to Smart Casual, Images Fashion Podcast in collaboration with Kildare Village, dealing with personal style in a way that speaks to you. Hosted by me, Fashion Director Marie Kelly. And me, Eugene O'Connell, Image.ie staff writer. And me, Dominique McMullen, Digital Editor of Image Publications. In our 20s, 30s and 40s, we're three women across three decades with three unique perspectives on how fashion shapes the world. Fashion and personal style are about a lot more than the clothes we choose to put on every morning. They're about the world we live in and they're about who we choose to be. There's a lot of talk when it comes to fashion and we certainly love a chat. Welcome to Smart Casual. Hi everybody and welcome back to Smart Casual, where we are finally finishing off January, the longest month of the entire year, uh, and doing so with a massive, classic New Year wardrobe clear out. We'll be chatting about the trend of Marie Condoing your wardrobe for the new year and how best to tackle a closet cleanse. I know I desperately need one. Uh, our guest this week on the show is plus size model, presenter and body activist Louise O'Reilly or Style Me Curvy for all you Instagrammers out there. And we'll be chatting to her later in the show about her views on catwalk diversity, her personal style and her plans for the year ahead. But before that, we have all our highs of the week to talk about. So I have two this week. Couture Week has obviously been taking place which I always love to watch from afar. The kind of whimsy and the drama of the whole thing is just very enjoyable. Um, But my favourite bit was the emergence of a really bizarre but awesome trend, uh, swimming caps and, yes, actual swimming caps. (laughs) But worn kind of all bejeweled um, with little ties under the chin. Like if you cut that kind of 1950s style, you'd see like a pinup girl wearing. Um, So covering the ears and always extremely glittery. Amber Heard wore one last year on the red carpet for the premiere of Aquaman. So that was kind of appropriate, but also incredibly glamorous. Um, And it was made by Valentino. But this year and in the last two weeks, both Dior and Chanel showed swimming hats on the runway. And like you think they're the most unglamorous things. You think they'd look awful. They were stunning. (laughs) Chanel had one as part of their bridal look. It was all silver and sparkly with this huge piece of tulle at the back like a veil um, and Dior sent them down the catwalk on basically all of their models in these kind of candy colours greens and reds totally beautiful and yeah it really made me want to wear a swimming cap <laughs> but presumably we're not wearing these to swim in no 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 like just everyday wear it also made me think how amazing it would be if you were having a really bad hair day you know yeah. you didn't have a chance to you know wash the hair put on a swimming hat genius definitely genius <laughs> I'm not sure if it's actually applicable to real life spending a few thousand euro on I'd say um, also just a little high um, we had our first shoot with our new host Aideen down in Kildare Village um, last week and we just really had a ball we had yes, a great time is. it was great fun yeah and we were all dressed in the Diane van Furstenberg, which is pretty nice. It's fabulous. Um, and you can see the new photos on our SoundCloud account, and they'll also probably be making their way to a screen near you soon. Definitely. Uh, what about you, Marie? Uh, so my, well, a couple of highs this week as well, like you. Um, the first one was the launch of the Victoria Beckham by Reebok mm. collection, which is quite exciting. And I don't know if you guys have seen the ads for it on Instagram, but they're very cool. Yeah, they are yeah. very, very cool. And I mean, it just shows how far she's come, you know. Yeah. Um, but also it makes me want to start running again. Oh, a wow. really, a really good because I, I was running consistently for three years and the last six months I've been really dreadful um, and I just saw the collection and actually I must say Helen Steele's collection for Dunn's Stores made me feel the same as well that you know it's very motivating when mm. you actually find mm-hmm. some really nice new running gear so um, yeah I was quite excited to see that and the trainers in particular that uh, Victoria was wearing in on Instagram looked amazing they're gorgeous like, yeah really really fabulous so, what um, did they look like I haven't seen them they're kind of coloured weren't they're they coloured. they're like um, an Burnt orange, mm. black and white, but they were like really stylish because I yeah. saw them and I said it to one of the girls in work and I was like, oh my God, them runners are unreal. Yeah. So you would wear, you know, you would wear them running and you would wear them just yeah. like Every to day. look fabulous. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, dual purpose. <laughs> Love that. Um, so that was one of the highs. And um, secondly, just, you know, have to shout out to Sinead Burke who opened yeah. Davos yes. wearing Gucci. I know. Amazing. Amazing. Unbelievable. Incredible. 
Just I mean, opening Davos in incredible. itself. Incredible. Yeah. Absolutely incredible. I mean, she yeah. goes from strength to strength. Obviously, obviously, she was a guest last year on Smart Casual and we had the pleasure of talking to her and she um, is just as amazing in, in real life uh, as she is out there, mm-hmm. um, you know, in the public eye. But um, just amazing. I mean, I, I don't really even know what to say about it except well done, Sinead, you're incredible. Sinead for president. Sinead for president. <laughs> <laughs> so, Aideen, what about you? Um, so to marry Dominique, basically, um, Couture Week has to be definitely one of mine. I think if you love fashion and you love the whole that glamorous side of it, you're going to love Couture Week. And like, I'll never, ever be able to afford anything that's on those runways. But I think that's the point. I think it's that like fantastical kind of element that mm. you kind of just imagine yourself in the dresses. And it's just the mastery and the creativity. And you can see the amount of work that the ateliers put in mm. to their gar- to their garments. Um, and this year in particular, Valentino, which I raved about on this podcast before at Christmas, I did it as my high of the year. I just think everything that Pier Paolo is doing is just amazing. And Naomi Campbell closed the show. Mm. And it was so unbelievable. And it was this gorgeous dress with a sheer top and this taffeta skirt. And then 30 of the models on the runway were women of colour, which I think is just incredible, especially for a big fashion house like that to really be pushing that message. Mm. It sends a very strong message. Yeah, definitely, mm. definitely. And he made a point in interviews after to actually point that out. So I thought that was really, really good. Mm. And then the Kildare Village shoot has to be a massive high for ah. me because I never thought that I'd ever get the opportunity to do anything like that. So that was a big thing. And the gorgeous Emily must be psychic down in Kildare Village because she picked out the most <laughs> made for me dress ever. Yeah. Actually, the, the perfect outfits for each of us. Each of us, she definitely, chose. yeah. <laughs> it was cinched in waist, it had pockets. I put it on and I was like, there's no way I'm leaving here without this. <laughs> and <laughs> so she didn't. I, and I didn't. I texted my mother and she gave me the all clear. So I was like, I'm definitely buying it. So I think... I wish I could just text yeah. my mother when I want something. And <laughs> It's so handy. It's just that little push you need, you know. But um, I think whenever I look at that dress, because it's like my first proper designer piece, designer dress ever. Oh, and I that's look lovely. At it and and perfect timing. That, yeah. And I look at it and be like, just think of that really good time in my life. Oh. Well, that actually brings us really nicely into the topic of Marie condoing your wardrobe, which is our topic of the week this week. <clears throat> the topic is especially hilarious for me because last night, literally, you could have, couldn't have written this. Uh, I was sitting having a chat with Rory and he opened our downstairs closet and... I must have just been in a rush in the morning. This closet has been filling and filling and filling with coats over the last kind of month or two. And I was looking at him from the side. He opened the wardrobe and this like avalanche of clothes assaulted (laughs) him and fell out of the wardrobe. Um, And yeah, we started laughing. I'm well overdue a clear out at this stage. Uh, And normally I'm actually really good at it. I kind of, every few months normally do a bit of a whittling down and kind of send stuff to charities, send stuff to various kind of places to sell um, and, and chuck stuff out as well. But I think with everything, like with the baby coming and all that, it's all just gotten a bit out of control. And I have shoes and coats and grey jumpers <laughs> stashed in every single room of the house. Um, and I was actually thinking about, Marie, what you said last week about coats, how you um, have this lovely collection of coats and you treat them well. And I literally, I wish the reason I had loads of coats was your reason. <laughs> the reason I have loads of coats is because I'm just constantly on this search for the perfect coat and I just end up with nothing being right. And just, Aww. anyway, tons and tons of coats. Um and it's especially bad as well at the moment because I'm wearing probably 10% of my wardrobe, I'd say, <clears throat> if even. So all that 90% that I'm not touching is just going back and back and back and back. You kind of lose control of it yeah. when you're not wearing it. Not even yeah. looking at it and not going near it. Um, so Marie Kondo, I actually got into Marie Kondo about two years ago when she released her book. You were way ahead of the curve. Yeah, but definitely. I, I, like, it was her book. I remember a few people in my old workplace were reading her book and she actually came and cleared out an old colleague's house for an article. Um, so we were all kind of into it. And I actually really love the method. I think the method really works. The idea, if for those of you who don't know, is that, I mean, basically it's that everything that you own and that you have should spark joy in you. So if when you're doing a big clear out, you pour especially for a wardrobe, you put everything onto one like bed or whatever, every single item of clothing. And you go through and each item you hold up and you and you feel it and you kind of 
look at it and say, does this spark joy? And if it doesn't, then you thank the item and you chuck it away. <laughs> I think that's mad, like that whole yeah, it's really talking to your clothes. Very, yeah, just like talking to Ja. Kind of freaks me out slightly. <laughs> it is really Japanese though, having kind of respect for objects mm. and, you know, it's, it, I find it interesting. I like it. I like, I like the theory. Yeah, the theory is lovely. In reality, because <laughs> we talked about this yesterday and one of our y- your younger colleagues was saying she'd just end up chucking out all her practical clothes, like raincoats or whatever. And I really thought about that last night and because I was like, well, I, I know I wouldn't. Why is that? And it's because what I realised, and I think this is probably my age, but I get real joy from practical items now. And like a good coat or a good pair of shoes really makes me very happy. Whereas I think 10 years ago, items that would have sparked joy for me would have been like, you know, huge stiletto glittery high heels. Sparkly dress yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. sparkly mm-hmm. dresses. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the ideal wardrobe item is something that is that crossover between practical but also lovely and beautiful and beauty and utility yeah like, all in one and like in another new coat that I have <laughs> <laughs> that you recommended Marie ah, around yes. November last year it's a beautiful like velvet duffel long fur gorgeous it's just warm yeah. but it also looks nice it, it looks really good and it's yeah. really tactile like I yeah. want to kind of feel it all the time because like, it's a beautiful sort of velvet yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so yeah, like I, I, I think it's a really interesting concept uh, that has has that hasn't meant that I've done it enough, but uh, I do love a wardrobe clear out, and I am planning one this week. I'm going to go and buy vacuum sealed bags. Mm, very smart. Everything out. Be prepared. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Prepared for the clear out. I think yeah. vacuum sealed bags are key. Mm-hmm. Actually, I normally do that, especially coming into summer with all my big coats and you know thick jumpers. Mm. They can make you can make them, you know, as yeah, really tiny compact. and thick, yeah. yeah, and put them on top of the wardrobe. Yeah. I need to start doing that. I've never yeah. actually even thought of vacuum bags. Yeah, no, makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Do you guys do wardrobe clearouts? Well, I do. I mean, I do. I tend to do two um, when the seasons change, and by that I don't mean when the sort of fashion seasons change, but when our weather actually changes. So, yeah. sort of around about sort of April, when I start to pull out all my kind of more summery pieces, I look at everything and go. I look at that part of my wardrobe and mm. decide, is anything sort of kind of, am I done and dusted with anything here? Is there anything that's kind of like, you know, looking patty now or yeah. that I just feel doesn't work anymore? Um, and similarly in September when, you know, you're, you're, you know, pulling out all the coats and mm. looking at your jeans and all those kind of mm. pieces that you'll wear a lot in, in autumn, winter, I, 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 again, I sort of look at everything and goes, is, is there is there any piece that I sort of feel like I, I need to kind of just like draw a line under yeah. here or just, you know, move on from. So I'm quite, I'm quite good at doing that. I mean, sometimes the clear out doesn't yield very much and sometimes it does, but I, I do automatically sort of do that. It's mm. very natural for me to do that at those, those two times of the year. But last weekend I did um, a clear up rather than a clear out of, oh. of the wardrobe based on the lovely Ingrid Hoey who was a guest here last year um, telling me that um, Marie Kondo had changed her life yes I met her a couple of weeks ago and I mean she was like an evangelist for (laughs) Marie Kondo she was like Marie it's changed my life I feel like the weight off my shoulders has just been lifted she was like I know where everything is in my home I know where everything is in my wardrobe I can see everything and I was like wow and of course, you know, me being sort of late to the party, as I tend to be on most things, I'm not an early adopter, let's say, hasn't hadn't heard of um, Marie Kondo until Ingrid mentioned her two weeks ago. And now wow. everyone's talking better. I know now everyone's talking better. So I'm actually really intrigued. I want to watch the, the series because I do. I like the idea of of what she says. I love that idea. Uh, and I know it kind of sounds a bit wacky, but I do love that idea of of respecting yeah. your clothes, respecting objects, respecting yeah. the things that we spend money on and that we buy. And, yeah. and, and it, it really removes you um, from that sort of disposable culture that, that we all kind of dislike now and, and, and just, you know, isn't a great way to live. So I, I do like that, that she makes you really think about the pieces that you have in your wardrobe um, and you feel something about them. Um, and I think for me, like you, everything in my wardrobe does spark joy because it wouldn't be there if if it didn't. And my utilitarian wear, I mean, without a doubt. But I think there are different types of joy that pieces spark. Mm. I think it's not always about, you know, being sort of uh, euphoric about, <laughs> about a piece, you know. But I think, you know, so my you know, my big parka, for instance, which you guys actually complimented me on last week, you know, 
I, that brings me joy because it's just like your beautiful velvet duffel coat just makes me feel so cocooned and so warm mm-hmm. and it's still stylish and I really love it. So that sparks a certain type of joy. You know, there are other pieces that, you know, spark. I have a, a tunic dress. I haven't worn it in years, but I bought it when I was in London and, you know, I love it to bits and I will never let go of that. Um, I will wear it again at some point, but that sparks a lovely sense of nostalgia, nostalgia yeah. and affection. Mm-hmm. And that absolutely has a place in my wardrobe, you know. Yeah, do you know, um, I hate when people do that. Have you worn it, if you've worn it in the last year or six months? Yeah. If you haven't, then chuck it out. I think that's the most ridiculous piece of advice that's something I've ever I, heard. That's something I really struggled with. I mean, that is disposable shopping yeah, though. it yeah. is. If, if that's how you're looking at your wardrobe, you know, that I haven't worn it in a year, so I'm going to get rid of it. Like, that's yeah. insane. I, you know, I have pieces, I've said this before on Smart Casual, I have you know, pieces in my wardrobe that are 20 years old. I adore them. I love them. And as long as they're not threadbare and that they yeah. still look yeah. look good and fit me, I absolutely will have them in there. But, but I think that that's the thing. It's, you know, there are different types of joy and there are different positive feelings that different items yeah. in your wardrobe yeah. evoke. Love that. And, yeah. and I guess that's kind of how I how I look at it. But but it was interesting because um I do keep a tight rein on my wardrobe because I don't have unlimited space either. Mm-hmm. So I have to. Um I don't I don't have some, you know, amazing big sort of dressing space. So I have to keep t- tight control over it. But it had gotten, you know, a bit crazy having, you know, bought a few things coming up to Christmas, mm-hmm. bought some stuff in the sales. It and actually so they, quickly. it does, doesn't it? And this pole neck which I'm wearing today, this is the first time I've worn it since well before Christmas because I couldn't find it. Marie's wearing a navy blue pole neck with gorgeous <laughs> High waisted mustard yellow trousers. <laughs> You're so kind. We might do a little Insta snap, will we? And yeah, post definitely. post definitely. the look. <laughs> but um, yeah, I couldn't find this polo neck for like about six weeks, and I thought, well, something's wrong here. Yeah, I need to I need to do a, a sort of a clear up. So um, so that's what I did last weekend, and just kind of got the knitwear in order and all the denim in order, and and just so I know where everything is. Because often if you can't see it, then you forget you even have entirely. It. That's what and isn't that part of uh, Marie Kondo's yeah. kind of philosophy? Is oh, that if you can't. Yeah. Yeah, her folding method. I've heard that's that amazing. does change. <laughs> yeah, I'm dying to watch. Yeah, I don't think watch. I have the patience. Like I do, I do clear out every January. I mentioned it last week, um, but that doesn't mean that it gets any easier for me or mm. that I'm an expert at it. Yes, mm. I would be like you, Marie. Like I have pieces that I just want to hold on to for nostalgic reasons, and they hold memories. And I'm like, I never want to let them go. Yeah, and I've like five pieces in particular that every single year they rear their head in January mm-hmm. and I say the same thing I sit down with them on my bed it's like I'm having a conversation with them <laughs> so and I'm you like talk to your clothes yeah and I'm like <laughs> and I'm sitting there being like I'm definitely going to wear you this year and I'm like making up these random occasions in my head that are never going to happen oh, yeah I do that <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah. they'd be perfect for it they'd be perfect for it and like, like this you'd off, be like oh well you know that, that, that barbecue on the beach or you know <laughs> sure there'd be a wedding or some 50 <laughs> party so that I can funny. wear to and I have this awful <laughs> habit as well of saying I'll get that taken in or I get that reworked yeah. in zip period. I never step foot inside in zip period. I have this really gorgeous scuba skirt that I got in ASOS about four years ago. It's bright pink and it like flutes out at the bottom and it's gone a bit too big for me. And the last four years I have said, I'm bringing it to zip yard to get it taken in. It's actually in a bag at home now. Hey, and I'm like, bring the bag in, I'll take it to yeah. the yard for And I'm like, I'm going to take it into zip yard today. I never make it. And I bet you'll be saying the same thing now next year. <laughs> and like I've watched Marie Kondo and I totally see where she's coming from. And it's like, it's scientifically proven that decluttering is really, really good for your mental health. Mm. And like when I declutter, I feel fantastic. Mm. But it's just the whole sparking joy thing. I can't get my head around because like I could spark joy out of anything. Like, tell me and I'll do it. Like, so yeah. I can't really get that connection yeah. <laughs> that she's talking about. But I am trying to get better. And when I do declutter, I do do it really well. So I'll do like half for a charity shop. I'll do some for clothing banks. And then I'm really, really good at giving away stuff to friends and family. So mm. if they have an eye on something, I'll mm. be pretty nice. And actually our, sorry, Dominique, our swap shop that we did last yeah. year was actually uh, really useful in that respect for, you know, just offloading stuff yeah. and, you know, acquiring a few other nice bits. And it just kind of worked really well in that so way. So well, we it? should do that again. We should, definitely, yeah. Definitely, yeah. Definitely, yeah. It worked yeah. really, really well. It's a really good way to like give joy to other people. It is. It was so much fun. By giving your clothes to them. Yeah. And it was so much fun, just the process of doing it. I it mean, God, are you, you know, I don't know if listeners saw the the video on um, image.ie but it's it's still there somewhere and um, it really shows that it was just great fun yeah, it was yeah. a bit it was a bit like the Hunger Games yes, yes. yes. <laughs> was a little like the first round got pretty intense yeah. um, Aideen if you're not 
if you're not looking at the clothes and kind of thinking if they spark joy, how are you making the decisions about what you're keeping and what you're throwing away? So there's two kind of different pieces in my wardrobe. There'll be pieces that I love and that I probably got a lot of wear out of years ago and I'm like, I could still do something with them. Mm-hmm. But then there are other pieces that I am really ruthless with and they're usually pieces that I stood in the dressing room that day and I was kind of like, mm, do do I like it? Do I not? Yeah. I buy it, instantly regret it. Yeah. And usually it's those pieces that I'm like, no, don't need them. Yeah. 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 Or if yeah. the quality is gone or anything like that. But I think that that's a really good tip to bring with you yeah. when you're shopping for now. And if you doubt in your mind, if you have any doubt in your mind when you use something on in the shop, don't then buy it. It's like getting into a relationship, like you really have to know all yeah. sides. No, you're absolutely like 100%. right. Yeah. <laughs> if in doubt, don't do it. Yeah, it's a big commitment. Mm. Do you know what I do in dressing rooms? If I don't look at prices and when I try the outfit on, I say what I'd pay for it in my head. That's, that's brilliant. Good idea. And then I look at the price tag. That's a very that good idea. That is a very idea. good idea. Yeah. yeah, that's very it's smart. Amazing. I haven't heard that before actually. That's really, that's really good. It, it's amazing how quickly then you suddenly, you know how, like, how much you love the outfit. Like if you're like, you know, I would pay 50 quid for this skirt, then you're like, okay, I'm yeah. going to get it. Yeah. It's worth yeah. it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, for sure. No, yeah. that's a really good idea. Very, I very also smart. think about, if it's, a, if it's a singular piece, to think how I am going to wear it with the rest of my wardrobe. I think that's a really Absolutely. important thing to do. My mom always says that to me too. Absolutely, I always is. do that. Yeah. I'll have to have a list of things that I know I can definitely wear it with. Wear things it with, that yeah. I will definitely, like that tomorrow, not things that I might want to buy to wear it with, things that tomorrow I can wear it with yeah. to yeah. the office or whatever. And that's really important. That's smart. Um, because it frustrates me if I buy things... If I buy things and they sit in the wardrobe out of choice, you, you know, that's fine. But if I buy something and it's sitting in my wardrobe because I don't have anything to wear it with, that really frustrates me because I'm like, that's bad shopping. Yeah, that's, it is. Yeah. That's yeah. just not smart shopping. Mm-hmm. So I do in, in the dressing room make a list of the pieces in my head that Unless I'm, it's that a I'm really wear it with. special piece, mm. like kind of once after you're going to wear it to a special occasion. occasion I think if yeah. you can't think in your head that you can't wear it tomorrow, yeah. then don't buy it. Yeah. yeah, Maybe seasonality comes yeah. into it, but if but you can't wear it tomorrow... I totally Don't agree. Yeah, I think that's yeah. a smart thing to do. I also, do. after clear outs, <clears throat> I have, I got Rory to nail some nails. It sounds awful. They're tiny, nice looking nails, but into the walls. And I hang pieces of clothing that that's I haven't idea. worn in ages that's and that really I want to wear. Mm, really and I idea. hang them uh, like out of the wardrobe on the wall. And they actually kind of look nice as well. They do look looks, nice. Yeah, I've seen that, art, that done you know? before in, in um, dressing spaces. But I think that's a really good idea. Just brings them front and centre of your mind. Mm. Although if you're not into clothes, that would be a nightmare. I can yeah. imagine. There's clothes <laughs> everywhere on your house. What I love about <laughs> the whole kind of Marie Kondo thing and this whole thing that people are being a bit more aware of their wardrobes that it's like it's great mm. for like sustainability. Yeah. And I feel like a lot more people are really looking at their wardrobes and they're not going out to buy things willy nilly. Absolutely. Valuing yeah, what they they're have. They're valuing what they have, which I think is brilliant. Absolutely. And I think now, really. you know, if you can, you know, reimagine items from a couple of years ago in different ways I think that that's a sign of a really stylish woman I think and yeah. a woman who understands her body her wardrobe her clothes and yeah. I think that generates a lot of respect um, from yeah. other women and I think that's that's kind of you know where the direction we're sort of going in you know yeah. at, at the moment and actually just given that we're talking about wardrobes I do have to flag that if you want to have a little bit of a nose into some amazing dressing spaces then you should pick up the Jan Feb copy of Image because we have this beautiful feature called Closet Chic and um, it's three really amazing women and their incredible dressing spaces. Wow, nice. And I mean, they'll blow your mind. They're amazing. They'll blow Seen your mind. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, that leaves us on a nice little note to wrap up. Um, so thanks, guys. Thank, Thank you. You're listening to Smart Casual, Image's first fashion podcast in collaboration with Kildare Village. This week, I'm so excited to be heading to the UK to Kildare Village's sister outlet, Bister Village, to take a look at its exclusive new pop-up boutique. It's called Celebrating China and has been set up to ring in the Chinese New Year. And it's a collaboration with leading influencer Susie Bubble. She's curated a collection of pieces from 10 groundbreaking Chinese designers. I can't wait to browse through the edits and get a taste of what these amazing designers have been working on. So keep an eye on my Instagram account, mkellyfashioned, to see what's going on over there. 
This week, I'm delighted to be sitting here with the very talented, successful and beautiful Louise O'Reilly. Louise is the founder of the Instagram feed Style Me Curvy, which currently has, I think, more than 80,000 followers. She's also signed up to four global model agencies. Louise, welcome to Smart Casual. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Oh, we're delighted to have you. Um, So just to kick off, what's really interesting about you is that your background is actually um, international media studies. International relations. International relations, sorry. And there was a strong kind of legal aspect to that degree? Yeah, so I I did my degree a number of years ago and it was actually back when before I even started modelling so I, I and I would always say this to anybody within fashion it's always so important to have something to fall back on um in my degree, I started off actually, I did something in philosophy and then I went into international relations. So a lot of people actually think that's to public relations, but it's actually quite different. It's it's based on world politics. And within that, then there's all different kind of sections. So you deal with international human rights law, you deal with criminal law, you would deal with international politics, uh, terrorism, security studies. So it's very, very broad. Um but with that, it gives you something so extremely well-rounded. It was an extremely heavy course, so I'm not going to lie. It definitely was. It sounds intense. It was. It was. But I'm I'm so glad I did it um, because in the strangest of ways, you use it in different kind of parts of your life. Um, and it's something that I know I'll always have to fall back on if ever I want to use it. So as a young woman, you weren't um, focused on a career in fashion. No, it was something I definitely kind of fell into and it's something I'm actually asked about a lot because predominantly within fashion, especially when it comes to modelling, everyone would kind of presume, oh, you must have started really young. A lot of models, specifically of a certain size bracket, you're usually established or found when you're around 14, 15 years of age. But when I was that age, um, it was the opposite because I was quite big in, in, in terms of fashion. So I was approached by several people from different modelling agencies asking, you know, would you be interested in becoming a model? But you would have to lose four or five stone. Wow. Um, which would, it, it wouldn't have been, it, it wouldn't be possible. Um, and I just thought, no, do you know what? <laughs> like this isn't for me, but it was never my goal, Marie. You know, it was just, it, it, it was never something I thought, oh, I woke up one day, I'm going to be a model. So when I was around 18, 19, it was something I just fell into and I had entered a kind of a curvy competition um, and I think Gok Wan was the judge of it and it was just kind of a good experience because it gave me the taste of what it was like to modelling. And the following week, um, I applied to a model agency in Dublin, whereas prior to that, I'd always been approached if I was in London visiting family, I'd been approached by agencies there or and that's kind of how it was. Um so I applied to this model agency here in Dublin and they signed me up immediately. In 24 hours, I had my first job and I worked steadily. And it was it was just so bizarre because I was working as a plus size model. I was working at my size. I was working as a size 16 and nobody was trying to put me under any pressure. So that was kind of me saying, oh, wow, I can actually do this. I can work at my size. Because I think for many young women, if they'd been approached by a skate and told, oh, you know, you're incredible if you lose four stone that would have been crushing but it didn't crush you by the sounds of it Not really no because I think I just really laughed it off I definitely struggled with my weight and and online I talk about that quite openly when I was growing up I was a bigger child and I really struggled with that because back then you didn't have social media you didn't have anyone online that I could look to and identify with uh, anyone my age that looked like me the closest person I had that I could identify with was Oprah Winfrey because she was on the television back then she was so visible back then visible she was a curvy woman she was the only person I could identify with so growing up I found it very very difficult at a girl my age trying to find clothes that would fit me it was a struggle um so then kind of as I as you get older you kind of learn different things that work for you and you become more comfortable within your skin but it was actually getting into fashion made me more comfortable within my skin and it sounds so bizarre but back then think about it curvy modeling wasn't what it was then what it is now I'm modeling 10 years now and even in Ireland like I was working so much but then I kind of wanted to know what what was more out there and I got signed by an agency in Germany it was a really interesting kind of 
aspect of fashion it was so different it was it was I can't even I can't even explain how different it was because you're going into this whole different sector that's known in Germany as you would know as the catalogue industry that's so big and to explain to people catalogue you could be doing 120 outfits a day you're changing so quickly that's incredible yeah and and there's all these industries out there and some catalogues for example might own four or five different companies that would have all different kind of broad size ranges. So I would be working, I could be the only particular plus size model on the day and I'd be working with smaller girls. And it it just kind of, it was so interesting to see the whole real behind the scenes Mm. of how these big productions are shot. Sure. Um, And it was really, really refreshing for me. And then especially even when I'd work in Sweden, I worked with a former Victoria's Secret model before and uh, she was really, really interesting. And I remember we had to get changed in the same area and I couldn't help but notice that she had all these stretch marks and she openly talked about them and she was like, yeah, I have two kids. I'm a size eight. I have stretch marks. That's it. And particularly, I don't really like people photoshopping me, but if it has to be done for work, so be it. But in everyday capacity, I flaunt them. And I just thought that was so wonderful. That's and very, so, so she was quite inspiring for you, was yes. she? Just that acceptance of her body yeah, and the reality of her body. And when, when I was doing that, like I was 20 at that point, when I was in Sweden and I just thought, wow, this is amazing. Yeah, I guess you would look and think this is who I want to be, you know, someone yeah. who's just really comfortable with themselves and proud of themselves. And life's too short as well, mm. do you know, that kind of way. And it's it was the more you get into it, the more people you work with. And because back then there wasn't as many, as I said earlier, as many plus size models then as there is now, you're working in all different countries with all these different kind of people of all different backgrounds. And that's what made it so interesting. Mm-hmm. Do you think that the term plus size model um, is old fashioned now? Do you think the term is kind of redundant now? Because it, I guess it seems so to me a little bit because, you know, certainly on your Instagram feed, you define yourself as a model not a plus yeah. size model. You know, we're seeing on, you know, all the international catwalks, um, a, a mix now. I mean, sorry, not all of the international catwalks, but um, on many of them, we're seeing a mix now of ages, ethnicities, sizes. So do you, do you feel like that term is, is just outdated now? It's a, it's a funny question. It's one definitely I get asked about quite regularly because for me, I don't, I would never want to turn my back on the plus size industry because there's still so much that needs to be done. And and the reason for that is, is I think body confidence at the moment, it's having its moment. We're seeing a lot more diversity in some aspects, but in others, definitely not. In in the international catwalks in terms of New York, we're seeing a lot more in, interaction in terms of diversity of all different elements, um, specifically in size. So you're looking at the Chromat show, Becca McLaren, she's amazing. Um, she designs for Beyonce, for her swimwear line. Um, then you have the likes of... Christian Siriano, who'd be one of my favourite designers. Me, me too, actually. And and he's incredible at, 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 at sending out a really diverse range of models on the catwalk. And it's, again, it's so fantastic. But then you kind of see this shift over to Europe and you're going, right, well, what about what about the rest of you guys? What's happening? And you know that we'll be at London Fashion Week mm-hmm. or you could go to Paris or you go to Milan and... There is just no size diversity there whatsoever. I'll go to Milan and at a size 16 to 18, I'm considered too big still to be a plus size model. To be a plus size to model. To be a plus in size Milan. model. So what is a plus size model in Milan? In a, in Milan, they kind of consider a 12, wow. a 12 to 14. And it's shocking because I was I had opened a store for one specific brand and they were absolutely lovely. And then I look at their kind of catwalk show and I think you know your girls are quite small mm. and they're and it's not like they're not there like they flew in girls as well so yeah. they could have brought in bigger sizes if they wanted to but for some reason they chose not to um, so it, it that is another mindset I'd like to really explore mm. and kind of see the reasons behind that but looking closer to home something so obvious like London People have spoken about it. They have said, you know, why are they not doing this? Mm. Um, Mark Fast is a is a designer a number of years ago in 2009. Um, he was actually the first designer to put plus size models on his runway show. And he made a very last minute decision to do that. Um, it was the day before his show, actually. Wow. He's a knitwear designer primarily. Nicki Minaj, for example, would wear his pieces. Um, she'd be considered quite a curvy kind of pop star. Um, but then within that, he would 
primarily dressed a lot of celebrities. And then for the few seasons following that, in 2009, 2010, he continued to use plus-size models. But then he kind of disappeared off one way and kind of catwalked for a while. But then we kind of said, well, what about your fellow designers? What about them? Why are they designing and catering for pieces size 16? Some designers actually do up to size 18 and they don't even talk about it. But that's it. They're not showing those on the runway. They're not sort of, they're almost not admitting to it. They're not admitting to it. But then at the same time, they're more than happy to take consumers' money off them. Of course. And it's this balancing act as well of lack of communication because I'd be so surprised if I walked into Brian Thomas and I, I see certain pieces and I'm like, oh my God, this designer goes up to a size 18. Yeah. I think Preen actually goes up to a size 20 and not many people would know that. No, I didn't know that. Yeah. And it's it's very surprising. Mm. Um, and Interestingly, actually, when I was on Instagram today, I saw, um, I follow the London brand Rixo. Oh, yes. Um, which is, you know, obviously co-owned, uh, co-founded by an Irish woman. And one, um, one of the responses to the dress that she posted um, was, when are you going to start making them in large sizes? And uh, interestingly, um, Rixo replied, and said, you know, at the moment we go up to 16, when the company grows and we have sort of, we can facilitate, you know, a bigger production line, we will go up in size, which is always kind of interesting. But obviously the bigger brands don't have that excuse of, I mean, Brixo's only been around, I think, two years or something. So in yeah. fairness, they're, that's probably a fair enough comment, you know. Yeah. But like you say, the, the the bigger, well-established well-established brands don't have that kind of excuse. And that's a really good point because Siriano does speak about that as well when he was interviewed uh, a number of times. Um, with regards to, like, say, startups um, and, and, and high-end quality fabrics are really expensive. So if you're a young designer, yes creating something for bigger sizes it's a little bit of a risk if you're not entirely sure what your market it's is more just expensive yet. To it do. is more expensive and you're still finding your feet as a new established business so it is difficult but like you say when it comes to the well established brands where their budgets are massive and their profits are huge. Mm. This is where I do have the issue. And then you also look at the same, not even just in a modelling and a general commercial capacity. Now we're looking at different kinds of marketing issues to do with Instagram and how people might be looking at inverted commas social media influencers. So more and more brands are using that in elements of their marketing platform and elements of their budgets. And I look at an awful lot of the big designers and I see the bloggers that they're working with and they're all of the same size range. The same ilk. And it saddens me because I'm kind of thinking, well, you know, I'm pretty sure your customer, and it doesn't necessarily have to be about size. It's about age as well. You Mm -hmm. need to reflect your consumer. It doesn't matter how old they are and and for me I would even like to see more mature women featured and there's an awful lot of amazing mature bloggers out there who are doing wonderful things. I agree and I actually tend to follow a lot of them because I'm in my 40s so I'm looking to women in their 50s and 60s really for I guess style inspiration and general motivation and that kind of thing so yeah I I do agree hugely. And I think that's what it needs it needs to be in terms of the conversation of diversity as a whole it it, it needs to be um, constantly inclusive for everybody across sizes, across genders, across ages. And that's what's need to be integrated in a full-time capacity into the fabric of yeah. fashion, into the, the landscape of what fashion is. So that we're not going to be talking about diversity in fashion as just a trend. It just needs to be become part of fashion. Something that we don't need to comment on all the time. Yeah, I absolutely. Um, Louise, just to move on a little bit to your own sort of personal style, um, Having looked at your um, Instagram feed, um, I've been following you for years, so I'm pretty familiar with it. <laughs> um, I've known you for a long time, so I've, I've, I've been a follower. Um, you often hear fashion authorities say things like, you know, if you're a certain size, you shouldn't wear, say, a polo neck or you shouldn't wear, you know, uh, pleated pants or, you know, this kind of thing. You wear everything. You know, yes. you really do. You defy all those supposed style rules. What's your philosophy when you're getting dressed in the morning? I'm I'm a devil for comfort. Like I literally, okay, that is my one thing. I'm like, okay, comfort. I love structure. Um, it's because there's no system to my day. I never know what where I'm going to be from one day to the next and how long my day is going to be. Sometimes I am doing a 16 or 17 hour day. 
So we're very much depend. But when I'm kind of looking for key pieces, a lot of the stuff that you see on Instagram and on my blog. So my blog would have the biggest readership because that is from ages 17 to 65. Okay. And then, so that's incredible because, as I said earlier, you've got over 80,000 followers on Instagram, but your blog has a higher readership. Yeah. So my blog, some like, I mean, last month alone, it hit one million. Wow. And then some months it's 800,000. Like Christmas would be my biggest time of the year like it's very very busy so within that when it comes to looking at styles looking at trends and 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 trying to see what's going to go on my Instagram I don't just wake up one day and go oh this is going to go up today on my Instagram I like to plan and I, I base so much of it off reader requests because I want to know what they want to see and a lot of the times a lot of people would be struggling around the same time maybe it could be jeans for example denim or they're looking for a specific dress for workwear. Winter workwear, for example, is a very kind of awkward one to get right for yeah. a lot of people. Yeah. Um, so I always have my I have my emails open, I have my Instagram DMs open and people know that they can message me quite regularly and that's kind of how I establish what's going to go on the blog and where. And within that, that's to go back to your question, I try to I don't limit myself. I don't want to limit myself. No, you don't, don't look like you limit yourself. I mean, there's such a variety of styles and shapes and silhouettes um, on on your Instagram feed. And, and I love that. I think that's really inspiring for women um, who aren't a perfect size eight, you know. I think that's a thing because I'm not even, I mean, I'm, I'm like a 40D and then I'm a size 16 to 18 and I would be a little bit of an apple shape to a degree. So I do reflect an awful lot of women's body types. Mm. And a lot of people would message me and say, oh, you know, that won't look good on me. But I think a big factor that I try to get everybody out of is this sizest mindset. Yeah. So having to have this urge of where you need to pick up a piece because it says X size on the label. And that is the biggest issue I think a lot of women have of all ages. Yes. It doesn't matter how old they are. Of all ages and sizes. I think. Yes, absolutely. And it's and it's one of those things that even at Christmas, for example, I could be have so many people message me going, oh, you know, I, I, I had hoped to lose weight, but I didn't. And this happened or that happened. And now I'm my Christmas is ruined and I can't find anything oh, nice to wear. That's so sad. And and it's it's it does put me in that position because I wear my heart in my sleeve that I will just spend hours then looking up links for people to go no number one that's impossible you would look beautiful in anything mm-hmm. so here are options that will work for you and it's about knowing how to dress your body type mm-hmm. first and foremost you know that you're working mm-hmm. in fashion a really long time but I think one thing I try to teach people is that you don't have to conform to one kind of trend you can embrace all of them but just pick little things here and there and this is how I might do it and this is how it might work for you as well Um, and that is another thing as well that I try to show on my blog all the other options so that I'm not limiting anybody that I'm not pigeonholing anybody and it is hard as I said because you're trying to reach a broad demographic and age I want to make sure that everything's appropriate for all ages too. My next question was actually going to be, why do you think you've been so successful, you know, your blog and Instagram? But I mean, by the sounds of it, it's because you have very sort of personal relationships with your followers. It sounds like you devote a huge amount of time to answering their queries and to finding solutions for their queries. You're almost the sartorial agony aunt. (laughs) (laughs) In a weird way, I am. Um, I guess it is one of those things that this this all just started as a hobby. Like I started this blog eight years ago, back when people didn't really know what blogs were. And I started it because I saw a gap in the market where I thought, hang on a second, when I'm in Ireland, I am working maybe with smaller size models. When I'm away, I'm working on plus size catalogs. I'm working in seeing firsthand plus size clothing being made. And I'm just seeing the separation of two boxes. So I wanted to create Stanley Curvy, which talked about sizes for everybody, whether you're a size six or you're a size 28 everybody is included and you're not boxed off. And at the start, it was hard. People were like, why are you calling it Stelmy Curvy? And it just, I just kept going with it. And my friends and family just kept saying, no, 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 you need to keep doing this. My boyfriend was so supportive. He was like, you need to keep doing this. And the hours were long, especially when it's like a hobby that you're such a perfectionist in. And even now I would spend maybe 70 hours a week at it. And that's on top of my modelling. Like I still have to do, if I'm doing a modelling shoot in London and I'm on set all day, 
I will be on on my computer until half two in the morning, and that's that's how it works. That's incredible dedication. It's a lot of dedication, but I wouldn't do it if I didn't love it. And I think it's just more so than anything, my readers are my life. They're literally like family to me. So, and a lot of them would just know me. And it's the weirdest thing, like. I don't know, I could be on my Insta stories and someone will message me and go, are you having a bad day today? I know by the look of you. You know, that kind of, they're just so lovely and I'm so blessed because I know there's this, there was this whole conversation even last year of um, bloggers and, you know, for a while bloggers didn't have a great name. But I just have so much honesty and people know how honest I am with them and I have such a good relationship with them. So I absolutely won the lotto when it comes to my readers. They're just the best you could ever ask for. So Louise, I'm a standard size eight, but even still, there's plenty of things that I actually won't wear or don't feel look right on my body. Is there anything that you won't wear? Because you've obviously said how kind of um, ready you are to embrace different silhouettes and different shapes. But is there anything that you just won't wear? It's a funny one. Like I know for me, certain neons just don't work on my skin. Um, and then in terms of like there's certain styles I have, I love old world Hollywood glamour. Mm. I love the sophistication. But you look, you look like an old Hollywood star. Oh, can you come home with me? <laughs> well, it's just one of those things that I think in terms of style and context that we're seeing this whole in terms of fast fashion, let's say, and and the high street kind of stuff, there's a lot more plunging, deep plunging necklines. So in a, say, on a Saturday night style, even for my age, and I probably could wear those things, I just don't, I, I choose not to. Mm-hmm. So I will show certain stuff on the blog for people, but in a personal standpoint, wearing something extremely plunged to the belly button is not my kind of thing. I just don't feel comfortable in extremely low plunge kind of things. Sure. Um, and that's okay. Do you mm. know that kind of way? Like, I mean, I think it's nice to know your own style and own your style. Um, other than that, other than neons and extremely low plunge, plunge things, <laughs> there's not much I wouldn't wear. Like, I just, I really, I think that's the fun thing of fashion. That's why I really like to explore different kind of parts and I can't see there's nothing you wouldn't wear oh my god you're the most stylish person oh, I know well, you're over generous there but <laughs> no. no trust me lots of things I can't wear um, has you, it sounds like your relationship with fashion has always been a very positive one which you know is probably slightly unusual no, you'd think that, but, you know, it has its moments. Um, I think working in fashion, you need to have a thick skin. You definitely do. And I am a very sensitive person, so I've had to very much work on that, definitely. Um, growing. Can I ask how you've worked on that? How, how do you achieve that kind of mindset in that environment, which is a tough environment to be working in day to day? I think separating yourself and accepting that this is not the real world. And as hard as it is, so I mean, there's been moments where I have done, oh, I can't even go into detail of some of the, some of the um, shoots I have done that have never even gone to print. And some, some things that we'll never know why they went to print. Um, I was meant to be on the cover of, I can't even tell you how many magazines and then they pull it the day before because, and I was once told that their readership was just not ready to have someone your size on the front of a magazine. How did that make you feel? And that was hard. Mm. That was hard to stomach because it annoyed me so much. And I'm thinking, guys, you know, come on. The average woman is my size. And it's not fair also to that particular publishing company. And I knew what they're demographic was as well I kind of thought it was it was more unfair to those women and their those readers than anything else. You know I was just going to say aren't they underestimating their readership somewhat? Yeah and it's still it's been such a conversation still so it's it's all those different things you do have to learn um, in, in modelling for example you come up with some of the biggest disappointments you can go for some of the bi- biggest castings that will change your life and you will be down to the final two and the shoot will be in 24 hours and you're checking that phone going, will it be me? And you'll find out 11 o'clock the night before it's not you. 
It's pretty excruciating yep. stuff, actually, isn't it? So when it goes to those little details, there's so much behind the scenes that people don't realise. They um, see the glamour and they see the end result and they see the successful shoots. They don't see that three o'clock in the morning in the airport, um, they like like that the 18 hour days to then back at the airport to go to another shoot somewhere else. Um, they're the kind of time consuming days and it's very very tiring and then sometimes people never get to see those shoots because for example I'd shoot something now that's for 2020 um, and then by the time I'm showing it it could be outdated so it is it's 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 really unusual but I would say over a period of time it's all those life lessons all those learning curves and yes there's times where I've gotten myself so extremely upset and I just thought it's not worth it Mm. so you just pick yourself up and move on because if I want to stay in that industry you need to have that element of tough skin and just I mean what you're saying there about staying in the industry and we were talking earlier about um, older models being more prominent on the catwalk would you see yourself still modeling in 20 years time would you like that to be the case? Possibly. I don't know, actually. It's that's, No one's actually asked me that question, would you believe? Because um, I guess, you know, we're starting to see more older models in print as well as on the catwalk. I mean, it's, it's, it's becoming the norm. And I imagine, you know, the industry will be much bigger in 10, 20 years' yes, time. Yes, I, I would hope so. Like, I would absolutely hope so. And it's an area I love. And I, I'm so lucky as well that I have kind of a broad selection of things so I have my modelling I have my blogging like I I work on so many different elements of fashion um, even in a consulting capacity so I like kind of having that selection I think that I would like to still be able to dabble into it a little bit um, but it wouldn't be necessarily I, I don't know I don't know how I'd feel I don't know I think it's so wonderful and refreshing to see an older woman on the catwalk but I think we still need to push so much now mm-hmm. even when it comes to sizes so I mean I, I'm considered old now as a model would you believe? do you mind if I ask how old you are Louise? I just turned 30 two months ago wow so it's that's the kind of thing. But then it's interesting to see when someone asks you how long you're doing it and they're like, what? You know, <laughs> and I'm like, yes, go to the oldie. But it, it, it's also interesting to see the shift and how much has changed in fashion since I've been doing it. But then on the other side, there's still a lot more that needs to be done, yeah. which is why plus size and the whole concept of body confidence when it's done right when it's done in an authentic capacity it's absolutely vital for this industry Mm, Absolutely totally agree Um, Louise finally and on a lighter note we were talking earlier myself and Aideen and Dominique about wardrobe detoxing and the whole Marie Kondo kind of craze that's going on at the moment how are you I mean just judging from all the outfits on Instagram your wardrobe must be (laughs) enormous how do you keep control of it or do you? No don't even like I'm it's amazing because I'm so organized in every other aspect of my life but then you just look at this wardrobe and I I actually I try to I try to detox my wardrobe a good few times a year I have to um just to the volume of clothes that I go through and for different situations um I tend to get rid of as much as I can um, I always have like my capsule pieces, my go-to pieces, and then I might have my current trend kind of wardrobe. Mm-hmm. But then everything else I kind of split between three to four different charities. Uh, women's Aid would be like a really big one for me, uh, Women's Refuges. And I also think it's really, really important, even if anybody at home is looking at maybe cleaning out their wardrobe, if you might have a local women's refuge, you'd be so surprised if you called them up, there's certain things that they might need that may you might not even think is important to them, but they really, really need, even if it's pyjamas, all those kind of things are brilliant. Um, so for me, I'm very much about recycling everything back to charity as much as possible. Um, and I just think it's such an important thing to do where you can. Louisa is brilliant advice to finish um, on today. Thank you so much for coming in. It's been such a pleasure talking to you. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This episode of Smart Casual was brought to you in collaboration with Kildare Village. Thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, make sure to rate, review and subscribe to us on SoundCloud, iTunes and Spotify.